0: What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here, and we're moving forward today with Ryan Follinger a communication strategist at the University of California, Irvine, and host of the Get Notified radio show. Ryan is also a TEDx speaker and has been a contributor to and or featured in several high-profile publications, including Fortune, Tech Day News, Entrepreneur, and The Huffington Post. Hey, Ryan, how are you today? Fantastic. <laughs> so good to have you on the show. Excited for you to share your story. I only shared a little bit on the intro, so I was wondering if you could fill in the rest. Tell our listeners all about yourself. You've done so many interesting and exciting things, and share a little of your journey with our listeners.
1: Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'm a ginger. At least I try to associate or claim my gingerness, because it, was, <laughs> it wasn't it was so ginger when I was in middle school and elementary school with all of my freckles, but uh, that was one of many challenges that I faced, which I found working through helps me to become the strong ginger that I am yeah, today. Great. <laughs> and with that, uh, I'm kind of a high energy guy and I really like to keep things positive. So that ginger branding I take and I own, uh, I had a conversation with my mom the other day and she's like, Ryan, you know, your beard is not that red. I'm like, <laughs> it, it, I, it is, I am, I've "It, I, got freckles to prove it. So, uh, in general, I, I try to keep lighthearted and fun. Uh, I've had enough Uh, you know, haters are going to hate, and I just don't play into that. So it's all good. Um, And recently, it was National Kiss a Ginger Day, which is in response to the National Kick a Ginger Day. So we're getting we're making progress. Yes, yes, (laughs) that
0: is progress. Absolutely. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess my story really starts with uh, how I grew up, like everyone. And I had a unique upbringing because both my parents were educators. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, that's kind of weird because your mom's a principal, your dad's a principal, and that's- Oh gosh, fun. does
0: that mean you couldn't get away with anything? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the contrary. Uh, people would think that, but I actually was able to get away with anything that I wanted as long really? as I got good grades. Ah, as long gotcha. as I got good grades. So I had this dual personality where I was in these AP classes in front of the class and uh, you know, just really strove to be number one or number one, mm-hmm. and that allowed me to go home and be like, "Hey, I'm smashing it when it comes to school." So I want to go out and skateboard, or I want to go out and do this, or I want to do that. And I really had a lot of freedom, only because I worked really hard to earn it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I and I think the great. same. The, I think the same is true today. Um, a modern example of that is, you know, I'm I'm fully employed at the University of California, Irvine. Uh, I am actually a gaucho so i went to ucsb
2: mm-hmm.
1: but i like to say that i have an anteater in a knapsack on my horse as i'm riding around so i feel <laughs> i feel close to the anteater nation um but you know i've been full-time here for a long time and, and uh, i i'm the senior administrator of social media and marketing for the office of vice provost and i oversee strategy for social media when it comes to about twenty five different programs on campus.
0: Oh wow. That's fantastic. And and share with our listeners, I mean, what does that entail? It sounds like you wear a lot of different hats.
1: It does. So the the, the full time here at UCI is helping to teach these different programs and departments how to fish. The mm. classic example of you give uh somebody a fish and he'll eat for a day, but you teach them to fish and they will eat forever. Yeah. So the concept is that I'm trying to teach them best practices on how to engage with their specific audiences. And when it comes to social media, it's a huge part to take away because it's not about being on all platforms and doing everything. It's really about starting offline and people all have uh, a social media uh, consultation meeting. And the first thing I do is not talk about social media. Mm -hmm. It's who are you trying to communicate with and what are you trying to communicate? And then everything is reverse engineered from there.
2: Yeah.
1: So this morning, for example, I, I'm I'm here at The Cove, which is the Applied Innovation Center. It's this amazing facility here in Irvine. Uh, it's a startup hub and it's really UCI's homage to innovation. And I'm putting on a social media lunch for the campus at the end of the month. And so I sat and I had this amazing meeting with their director of social media trying to come up with three topics that would be valuable for the community here at UCI and the community outside the walls. And so we came up with three topics after an amazing conversation. One was um, internal influencer marketing, Mm -hmm. which is this concept, you have all these employees and they all have their own spheres of influence. And if you can empower employees, to be influencers for the events that you're trying to showcase to the community, your reach just is a 10x or 100x.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Then we're going to talk about permission-based uh, promotion <laughs> because at the university there's so many amazing events going on. What happens is that everybody's trying to promote for their event. Everybody's trying to get attendance. Right. But you-, you can easily be the boy that cried wolf online, and you can blow up your context, and you can burn people out, and you can just you know create um the wrong type of environment through promotion so this concept of permission based promotion making sure that people you, you're sending messages to are really putting their hand up and saying i want this message and it's a concept that it's it's better to have higher quality and more loyal followers than it is to have a whole bunch of people that are just you know adding to the impression list of of what they're seeing but not right. taking action right absolutely so that's that's a classic example of somewhere during my day where I'm sitting and brainstorming offline and how to create best practices for people online. And then we bring all the different social media heads from the entire school together in this workshop. And we collectively see how we can learn and support each other all for the students, right? How do we deliver more resources to the students? That's great.
0: And it sounds like a lot of what you do is really managing relationships and and, and cultivating relationships. I mean, essentially what you're doing is you're helping an organization here at the university better manage its relationships through social media, and I think that's really fantastic. Well, Ryan, how did you get into this? I mean, did you growing up, I mean, how did you discover this as your career
1: path? Well, uh, I always wanted to grow up to be a professional ice hockey goaltender. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I thought it was going to be. I played throughout my youth. I was the smallest goaltender in town, but I was the fastest. And to some extent, I thought I was a little clairvoyant because I knew where all the pucks were going to go. I just felt it in my gut. Um, but <laughs> when I got to high school and throughout my back, I realized that that wasn't going to work. Mm. <laughs> then in college, I went in undeclared and I ended up with a double major, business economics and dramatic art. And you know, I didn't know that dramatic, I know, right? I didn't even know that theater had existed. Like I was more to sports and skateboarding mm-hmm. and you know, that's just what we do in high school. When I got to college, I, I got so stressed out about choosing my classes that I had my parents at orientation choose my classes. So I learned about my classes the first day of school and I go to this place, a DA1 class had no idea and it was in a theater and I still didn't really get it and it was Dramatic Arts 1. The first day of class, there was extra credit that was offered to go to this thing called an audition. Didn't know it, but a cute girl next to me said she was going to go, so of course I go. Of course. She doesn't show up. <laughs> oh uh, some, Somebody calls my name, which I thought was her, and I'm like, oh, hi. And it was my turn to do this reading. Uh-oh. I was confused. I sat in a chair. I was supposed to be this um, character that was uh, you know, driving a fast car with somebody who just got shot behind. I didn't see the humor in it. I read it. Everybody laughed at me, and I ran out, and I'm pretty sure I cried. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and and what oh, happened? Tell me is that, that, that was that, the
0: end of your acting career. I hope that was not the. That
1: the, was the beginning. Oh, actually, that's great. I love so it. So they called they called me for this part, and it happened to be the the part of Marv from Sin City. And these college students were doing an adaptation of Sin City, wow. like you know, 20 years ago. And so I was like, "Wait, you want me to play this brute who's 350 pounds and beats people up and is kind of sarcastic and funny?" I'm like, "I can do that because I've got a martial arts training background." Because I got bullied and martial arts is what solved that problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up acting and then I acted again and then I produced and I directed and I took the whole thing over and uh, I really found passion in communicating through stories. Yeah. I thought that I would be a great movie producer to communicate these stories. And I got out there and I didn't get into any master's programs um, and everything that I did was in live theater and it was right in this digital change where digital cameras weren't really around at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I noticed that, and I did all these interns for ABC and Moo Productions. I was on the set of the practice, and just kind of your classic grip, just scraping to figure out the direction. And more than one person slapped me on the shoulder and said, "Well, we'll see you in thirty years. Thirty years, bud. That's when you can actually make some creative decisions." Wow! I went, oh my what? gosh! Not going to happen with me. So everybody that made the decisions were the executive producers and the ad- executive directors, and that just means they had money. So. I leveraged my my background in business. I went into the mortgage industry and through the help of drawing stick figures, I became one of the top sales reps in this company and made more money than I knew what to do with and unfortunately, I didn't know what to do with it, so I spent it all. Okay? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but I say stick figures got me there because in a in a work environment where you have hundreds of people just like in a world where there's millions of people, you have to find a way to stand out. Yes. And I've always drawn stick figures. I've always tried to change things up a little bit and just make things lighthearted. So for every loan application I put through, I put a cover sheet on it, and I drew a stick figure in a certain situation. And the loan processors ended up knowing that when Ryan came over to submit a file, there was going to be a cartoon on it, and then they would grab it off the top when normally it would get processed way later. And then I learned what types of processors, like certain types of things... And I created these story arcs within each of my files. So you would get the next part of the story by getting my file. Then they processed the files faster. Then I got more leads. And then I sold more. And, it, and I became what they call chairman. And they take you on quarterly retreats. And it's your classic kind of like – wow, I shouldn't be making this much money. And and I attribute a lot of it to my stick figures,
0: figures, which (laughs) I mean, really, it sounds like, I mean, your, your background in acting, working in television production. I mean, you learned about story arcs. I mean, it all connects together. And I think that's such a great, great background story.
1: Yeah. And so the the thing is that as I developed that storytelling passion, um, you know, however much my stick figures were great, the market crashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stick figures couldn't save the economy. Yeah. And, you know, with losing, uh, you know, the whole company went out of business and, oh and I, I Some did really that. sad classic.
0: Stick figures there. I imagine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very sad stick figures. Uh, and they just disappeared for a little bit, but I, I found myself in the position, a lot of other people, my age that, um, the economy was very tough yeah. and that's when I decided to uh, try and start my own companies and my own businesses, and I found success with that until it failed, and really got what I call uh, entrepreneuritis. Yeah. Right? It's it's this concept of I love making my own decisions. I love working harder than I should, all because I'm doing this for myself and for a, a larger cause that has this end result. And. Uh, I was. uh, Well, well, Brian, I mean,
0: getting to that, I think honestly, this is a fantastic story. So I'm curious I mean, was there a particular time when things just really completely fell apart? Or was there a particular setback, you know, after the market crash or during your entrepreneurial journey where you feel like, man, I'm just hitting this brick wall?
1: Yes, more like getting hit in the face with a brick, (laughs) but and then falling onto a hard cement floor. And then, uh, yeah, so. Really, the the lowest of the low for me was losing the job, uh, my house going into foreclosure. And what pissed me off is that I bought the smallest house I could when Mm -hmm. I had buddies that bought a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the depreciation value of my house was so much more significant, uh, the house almost became worthless. So lost my job, lost my house, uh, car got repoed, and was still stuck with student loans. And uh, I was really at a spot where um, it was a difficult marketplace. I'm trying to start my own company. I'm trying to get involved in these big deals as an assistant, just volunteering to be the note taker in boardrooms on these big deals that never closed. And it, and it really came to a certain point where I really felt like the only option I had to sort of start over was the classic bankruptcy. Mm. Oh my gosh! So I I, uh, I leveraged uh, you know uh, the 375 bucks to get the thing going. Uh, hired an attorney. Went through all the paperwork. And it was a, a very fateful day as I as I put this in the mail to go out, and then even more of a fateful day two weeks later when I'm checking the mail, and I get the entire application returned to me because I was 32 cents short on my postage. Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, my gosh. And what's weird is the number 32 is the number of Kelly Rudy on the Los Angeles Kings, who was my idol and my inspiration oh, for wanting uh, an ice hockey uh, professional wow. goalie. And I sat there and it gives me the chills thinking about it. And and I literally just tore it up right there at the mailbox. And I said, screw it. Like, I've got to figure this is a sign. Like, this wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Now, was that when the
0: light bulb went off for you? I mean, like that that moment, you know, 32. I mean, that's to have that be a number that meant so much to you and be the number that prevented this application from going through. I mean, was that a uh, sort of an aha moment for you?
1: It was. And, and it, it was your classic moment where it's like, this isn't meant to be. So I've got to figure a way out of it. Yeah. So I, I became very humble at that point, And I went, uh, and I actually got uh, a job selling kitchen and bathroom remodels. Wow. That's pretty much That, that was, that was my low point, but I was like, you know what, who cares? This is what needs to happen. And, um, I was, I had a knack for it because I would draw, um, people would explain to me their vision and I would sketch it out minus a stick figure, but I'd sketch out like the vision of their bathroom or the vision of their, of their kitchen. And it came to life for them. And I was able to tap into that same storytelling to become very successful at it. And, and I had fun with it. So I, I enjoyed it. Only because I was humble enough to say, it doesn't matter what's happening. What, what needs to happen is I need to work myself out of this. And, um, you know, that actually led me to a series of other opportunities where I met people. I got involved entrepreneurially. Uh, when smartphone apps started coming out, I was involved with developing one of the first um, anti-bullying apps online. There's an, it's called WordBully. And I was big and passionate about that. Then we got into awareness about texting while driving had a bus called the Tech skills bus and we drove around the nation and I was speaking at elementary schools and, and high schools about the dangers of bullying and the dangers of texting while driving all coming from this technology. And that's what really got me more and more excited about technology and yeah. smartphone apps and, and being on the front edge. But going back to that core root of my passion being communicating through stories, there's no denying that The internet is where people are communicating and where the internet is the communication happens on social media and Who's good at social media? It's the people who grew up with it and those are Millennials. Yeah, so it's kind of fun I joke around about it, but Millennials are these cool kids that are born from the early 1980s to the early 1990s and I am I identify as a Gen X because Mm -hmm. The technology yeah. I had was like my brother's eight track and the yeah, CD, yeah,
0: yeah, and a, and a
1: tape before that. I had a boombox with. Yeah, remember
0: when VHS speakers. was like the coolest thing oh, ever? <laughs> super.
1: Cool. When I got a double deck where I could play a, a, a VHF and I could record it onto another VHF, and it was like a mixed <laughs> tape on video. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So so I and and in high school I didn't grow up with a cell phone. Like I didn't have a cell phone. We had pagers back then, right? <laughs> And if somebody's going to make fun of you, they make fun of you to your face. They're not making fun of you to your face. Did
0: you, you know, type out the numbers so that they actually spelled letters like, you know, hello or
1: something? Oh yeah, hello. Me and my buddies had (laughs) a system like four one one
0: for information, nine one one, call me back in the emergency or
1: something like that. Yeah, but we did this. We did. My buddy and I said if it's if it's important, put a nine. Ah, If it's really important, put a nine one, and if it's an emergency, put a nine one one.
0: (laughs) So you broke it down even further.
1: Yeah, and then I also, um, I'd meet people, you know, meet girls and stuff, and I'd say, hey, you know, hit me up, page me up, uh, Ray Foggy. <laughs> and they'd say, what? i say, Ray Foggy, F-O-G-Y, Ray Foggy. You remember that, right? Like, yeah. And Ray Foggy was the name that, you know, you'd spell alphanumerically to find my pager. So I didn't even give out my pager number. I was just like, contact Ray Foggy. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so I, you know, and, and I didn't I didn't grow up with the social media. I was an early adapter, right? When MySpace came out, I yeah, had my own space. Yeah, it was I, I, space AOL
0: Messenger, I guess, MySpace. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, that's that's kind Twitter, of what we were stuck with.
1: Twitter came out and I signed up and I started tweeting. And you know what all the social media got me, John? What? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not like nothing happened at all. And so what I realized is that I had this internal dilemma, okay? I was born in 1980, but I identify as a Generation X. So this is weird because technically – I could be considered a millennial. Mm-hmm. I'm just an old millennial. So here I am at a certain point in my life going, I have to get good at the social media, but how can I do that? So I said, you know, I'm a millennial technically, but I'm kind of a Gen X. And I like to describe this process as uh, as borderline millennial disorder, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Where like I, I'm technically a millennial, but I've gener- I'm a Gen X. So not being good at social media, I felt like I was a Gen X, but I needed to. Infiltrate the millennials. So I came up with a three-step plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Number one, get a millennial girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I did. I got out there and, and I and I and I got myself a millennial girlfriend. Number two, get hired at the university. Yeah. Because they're full of millennials and it's a great energy. Yeah. So I found an opportunity to get involved in the first entrepreneurship undergraduate program at UCI, and I got hired on as the assistant director. All in this encompassed concept of getting better at social media to learn to communicate better by infiltrating the millennials. (laughs) So the third thing that I did was something I call millennial mingling. And this means what it sounds like, trying to get in front of and mingle with millennials to learn the culture and, and to just sort of channel my inner millennialness. So of course I bought a couple of pairs of skinny jeans, <laughs> and uh, and I bought the the button up shirts that you don't see the buttons. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I even rocked a couple hipster bow ties, right? So I'm ready. <laughs> and uh, and I and I started going to these events, and I started to just ask questions and try to to informally become a student again, and learn some of what makes social media success, whatever that is, relatively to yeah. happening, and. A great example, I'll give you one example of, of a millennial mingle that was highly successful. Um, it, was a, it was a very high-end exclusive millennial party, and it was sponsored by Microsoft. I had a couple connections. I pulled in a couple favors, and I, I got to this party. It was in the Hollywood Hills, probably over an acre property, seven different platforms. I walk in the door, and there's a guy playing a double bass, which is the big doom, 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 mm-hmm. doom on the balcony wearing a cloud suit. Not like a, not like a cloud but a designer suit that was blue with clouds on it. And then he's backdrop against the Hollywood Hills sun's going down. I'm surrounded by people that are 10 years younger than me, 10 times more successful and about 10 times more attractive than I am. And this is the zone, right? So I'm asking questions, trying to downplay the fact that I'm in a university say, yeah, I do a lot of speaking, but don't mention that I'm not getting paid for it. And we all came to, together at the dinner table and I got a little freaked out because it was time for introductions and, and I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, I was not as successful as these people. And the host said, look, instead of talking about your successes, we're going to talk about what you need help with. And we're just going to flip this up. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is my chance. So everybody goes around sharing their deepest, darkest secrets that, you know, the guy that worked at Facebook and the guy that worked at Google, like they weren't as ideal as I thought they were, yeah. but they were all of a sudden being real. And, When it was my turn, I was the only person that stood up and I said, I am going through a millennial life crisis. (laughs) I feel like I want to be good at social media, but I'm not. I'm technically a millennial, but I'm a Gen Xer. And so I'm here secretly to kind of learn. And then that was it. It was awkward, but I got a a half-assed sitting ovation and I felt pretty good about
0: it. (laughs) Sitting ovation. That's great. Fantastic.
1: (laughs) This gentleman came up to me afterwards, handed me a card and said, look, I think I can help you out. And the next day, logically, I cyber-stalked him. And this was Leonard Kim. This was somebody who you have. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes, great guy. Yes, Leonard, we've had on the
1: with, Here's a guy with 10 million views on his content when I can't get more than 30 when I post to LinkedIn, um, featuring all these publications. And he's not even 30 years old. So I'm like, internally, I'm like, I hate this guy. But I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm like, no, I need this guy. And so I took him out to coffee and he really started to open up my eyes uh, about the power of the personal brand. And yeah. the personal brand is really your story. Yes. So for full circle, you know, I find that I'm passionate about communicating through stories. Um, I go through your classic life learning lessons, lots of mistakes, and I learn a lot. That's my experience that I leverage on. And then I made a conscious decision to find out how millennials are using social media as a communication tool, infiltrating them where they are in an offline situation. And then, you know, Leonard has taught me so much, and the friendship is built to uh, a business relationship. And I'll just give you three examples of, of the top tips that I've learned from all the millennials that I've interfaced with. And number one is to focus. Yes. You cannot be good at all things. You should be great at one. And on social media, you got to communicate that because otherwise you're going to confuse your audience. Absolutely. So for me, that was a huge, huge, huge thing. I mean, here's a guy growing up where it's like, Ryan, you should be good at everything. You're good at math. You're good at English. Right. Get these grades because that was what I was taught. And now I'm going, wait a minute. I-, I need to downplay everything but focus on one thing. And for me, it only made sense that it was communication. Yeah. Secondly, is to use social media as a form of attraction and not distraction. Mm. And there's probably the most valuable thing I have in my life right now is my network. And that's because I've been using social media to attract people that I want to be around to attract influencers who I'm inspired by to attract the positive vibes and the opportunities that I want. But so many people see social media as a distraction yeah. And so if you use social media as a way to connect, to reach out with the goal of meeting the person in, you know, face to face and it not being, oh, I just have to post a post and I'm distracted. Again, use it for attraction, not distraction. And the final thing okay. is don't be ideal, be real. Mm. This really is something nice. I learned at that party and, you know, Leonard is not, you know, he's not this crazy brilliant person that is just sharing groundbreaking things. If you read his content he is being real. Yeah. He is just telling yeah. his own He's truth. He's being
0: raw, real. I mean, he shares it all, too. And, and you know, we had him on the show. And I mean, he is about as transparent as it gets.
1: And for me, that was a huge realization because here yeah. I am thinking, like, I've got to put the Botox filter on Facebook to make sure I don't have wrinkles <laughs> or, botox uh, filter you know, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to tell anybody about this drama I had or, like, you know, bullying yeah. is just – I don't want to – but he helped me realize you've got to own that story. Absolutely. So. Before this millennial mingling research, I probably would have never shared that I was 32 cents away from bankruptcy, yeah. but screw it as part of my story. And I think that people relate to people who are humans Absolutely. and online can just be this, you know, this, I, I guess, temptation to put, always put your first, your, your best foot forward, yeah. which is great, which we should do in real life as well. But it's about being real and not ideal. So there's sort of the full circle of of how I found myself here at the university. And, you know, just like how, when I was a kid, I negotiated the ability to have more freedom because of proven success in school. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss and the four hour Mm -hmm. work week. If you haven't, uh, if, if anybody hasn't read it, please read it. And I took the steps that he set out And I worked worked to propose very strategically a remote working agreement at UCI.
2: Yeah,
1: and it worked. So I'm only on campus really Tuesday through Thursday. But I'm always on like yeah. you. I'm Are those always the days
0: where when the cafeteria has the has the best meals. Is that like taco day <laughs> or, or pizza yes. day? OK.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there's I mean, here at UCI, there's always boba and you have oh, the little wow. farmer. OK, well, you need to be expected.
0: on campus more if there's boba all, all the time. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: free boba. Uh, it's actually two dollar boba. But that, that's that's kind of the point is that by working really hard and putting the work in and improving to my supervisors that I will get the work done way above expectations. It's allowed me to now spend some time during my week uh, to go out there and continue this entrepreneurial, uh, you know, where we've got influence stream, we help people through this whole process.
0: Well, Ryan, are you ready for the Knowledge Burst session? Sure, I Uh, love you've already shared so many knowledge bursts, and I'm excited to ask you some of these. So you already shared a great resource, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. Do you have any other resources that you can share with our listeners? And it can be anything—a movie, book, song, or even a travel experience that inspired you to really move forward.
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, I believe one of the most powerful books out there is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. By Dale Carnegie. And that that is such a core, core concept. And and the number one thing you can do to improve your life on a daily basis, and that includes improving the lives of people around you, is to smile more. Yeah. That is the simplest piece of advice and is the most effective piece of advice. A random dude's walking towards you, give him a smile. Wake up in the morning, smile to your girlfriend. She's going to look at you like, what did you do? He's like, nothing. (laughs) I'm just happy. (laughs) Love it. So. I think that it all starts with relationships and we have this crock brain that you believe it or not, your body is trying to defend yourself against people eating you or trying to have sex with you or trying to hurt you. And you might put off the wrong impression before you even have a chance to connect with somebody. And the best way to diffuse that is just a smile. Sounds
0: good. I like it. Ryan, recommend if you have one, do you have a favorite app, website or productivity practice that has really been a game changer for you?
1: Google Docs oh, by default, and and I believe that within Google Docs, the ability for you to go in there and use the type to text function. Mm-hmm. If you don't know about this, if you have a Google Docs, you basically create a Google Docs, and in the tools, you can drop down and it gives you the option for voice typing. I love to talk, but I think that writing is super important. So for me. I will take a headliner that I create and then I will talk into my computer and get the first draft down. And it has increased the ability for me to create compelling content by tenfold. That's awesome. Because, it, you know, it's like what I'm doing now. I'm talking and I enjoy communicating my story through that way. And sometimes typing gets in the way. So my productivity hack is Google Docs to talk it in first. And then the collaboration tool is amazing. So you never have to have that one oh, word yeah. doc. You that's can't remember what you saved it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love to get feedback on what I write. So it's so fun to just get comments and the functionality in the real time. It is it is amazing.
0: I, I, I absolutely love it. Good share. And Ryan, how do you recharge your batteries or reboot when you feel like you're hitting that wall where you're facing that roadblock?
1: I get on the water. Mm, that's a good one. I'm a, I'm a sailor. Uh, there's nothing more powerful to me then disconnecting and in the middle of the ocean there's not good reception uh in the middle of the ocean there's wind and the classic concept of you can't change the direction of the wind but you can change the direction of your sails um, is something that's so peaceful so you know i've got a little sailboat and even just taking a little harbor cruise or going down to the beach i've always grown up by the water i'm fortunate in that respect but something about the non-stop constant movement Of the ocean is what calms me down. That's great.
0: Hey, moving forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. Well, Ryan, we're going to do a little time travel now. So let's uh, let's step into that DeLorean or the police box or whatever your time travel machine of choice is. We're going to travel about five to 10 years ago. And let's go back to a point where maybe you were having a difficult time or hitting that roadblock. What is one lesson, tip, or piece of advice that you would give to your younger self that you wish you had known then?
1: I I, I think that... Uh, I would have tried to read more earlier.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, I really, really have found passion for reading slash listening to audiobooks in my car.
2: Yeah.
1: And it is the one type of daily routine that one, takes traffic and makes it into productivity. Like you're the guy that's blasting by me, getting all, you know, speeding by, all stressed out. I'm the dude that's got an earphone in that's just like, do-to-do, I'm just totally chilling because this is my productive time to listen to read. And through through learning from other people, for me, just listening to other stories really helps to spark um, on a daily basis different ways to try things or to test things out. And I think that um, the earlier I could have been exposed to some of those key concepts, I think it would have accelerated my life, really.
0: Yeah. And what would, now here's the flip side. What do you think your younger self would have said to that advice?
1: Um, well, it probably would have been opposed to the reading part because of time. <laughs> and so that's where I would have convinced like, look, you do a lot of driving and why don't you substitute your music for the audiobook? And I think I would have, my, my rational self would have listened to myself. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely good advice.
0: And Ryan, how can our listeners connect with you? Learn more about the great work that you're doing.
1: Sure. So of all platforms, I, I enjoy Twitter the most. So if you do want to connect with me, Twitter's a great place to do that, and that's at Ryan Folland. Um, if you are interested in my stick figures, I actually draw one every single day, and I've been doing that for about a year and a half. Wow. Uh, I just got back onto the train. That's great. So it's just a Sharpie marker and a piece of paper, and it's just what I'm feeling that day. A lot of them revolve around communication because that's sort of my specialty. Mm-hmm. But you can find me on Instagram. That's Ryan.foland. Because somebody else uh, stole my handle, and but think oh, about the God. dot as as uh, taking a sharpie marker and putting a dot in between <laughs> my name. Yeah, and then uh, you know ryanfollen.com, dot com if you want to check more about me and you know sort of read my story and understand where I came from. Uh, you know I try to curate a lot of content, and I and I have a lot of my truth bombs or or knowledge bombs, and uh, that's a good resource where I try to. Try to aggregate a lot of info. I've got my five top speaking tips that'll make you a better speaker. That's an easy free download there. And this year I've made a commitment to come up with a full length article on one of my public speaking tips for all 52 weeks uh, on interesting engineering, which is a, a Turkish website. Yeah. But they get three, four million views a month. And, wow. Um, no, that's fantastic. And then as I've continued to grow and, and get a lot of traction online, I just keep getting ask the same thing how did you do it how did you do it and how can i learn and that's really where influence true is born because yeah. these are the same questions that i was asking leonard and my path is what helped to develop the curriculum and we have built this comprehensive personal branding course which helps you discover um build and amplify your actual personal brand because somewhere in your story is your personal brand yes and and that is really the most important thing you can do for yourself because your startup is going to fail your 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 big university job is going to be here or be not, but who are you and how can you leverage that? That's one of the most powerful tools for social media.
0: Yeah, and we'll have all of that posted on the write-up. Well, Ryan, what we're going to do now is we're going to have you close out the show, and I'm asking my guests to do this. Using no more than three or four words, what parting wisdom would you like to pass on to Moving Forward listeners? Smile more.
1: Smile more learn more. Ah, I love it.
0: Smile more, learn more. Great way to end the show. Ryan, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us to share your story, your journey and your knowledge bursts so that our listeners can move forward.
1: Thanks, John. Well, everybody keep moving, move on. And when something happens that you don't like and you feel like all is wrong, go to moveon.com. And uh, (laughs) I don't even know if it exists, but just (laughs) Move on. Keep moving until you get hit in the face with a brick and then move on. Or go to
0: bemovingforward.com where you can find this interview (laughs) with Ryan Fullen. So Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
1: All right, John. Thanks, buddy.
0: And remember, Moving Forward listeners, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Join us next Tuesday for another extraordinary guest. And remember, always be moving forward. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.